Well, great. It's really good to be with you um, this morning. It's particularly good to have the older kids and uh, the teenagers in with us this morning. I just wanted to say um, welcome to your half term, a, a week of kicking back, relaxing, and eating all the food that there is in the house. So uh, enjoy your week. And parents, may God bless you with much patience. Okay. <laughs> Um, so as we're all in together, I thought that what we should do is we should look at a topic that's relevant to all of us here this morning. So I've decided that we're going to look at the subject of worry together. The subject of worry. Because it's my belief that that's relevant to you whether you're age 9 or 90, that it applies to each and every one of us. However, it is just possible that you're sat here this morning and thinking, well, I never really worry or get anxious about anything. I'm always relaxed. Um, I'm doing okay, thank you very much. Well, sorry to break the news to you, but um, the false belief that everything is fine is actually a psychological condition known as denial. So, um, <laughs> just so that you, you have a psychological condition and you really should be quite worried about that. So, um, <laughs> the talk now does apply to you. So, you know, you're welcome. Um, all right, so we're going to be looking at the subject of worry. And the truth is, of course, everybody worries about something or someone. So what I want to do is I want to start up by looking at the problem of worry and then move on to look at something of the solution to worry. And what I did in preparation is I did a survey this week and I emailed a whole bunch of people across the church and I asked them three questions. So this was uh, young people, older people, middle-aged people spread across the church and three questions. And the first question I asked them and asked for responses to was this, what do you most worry about? What do you most worry about? Now, I have to say that in amongst the answers, um, in the question, answer to the question in the survey of what do you most worry about, somebody wrote answering surveys, um, <laughs> which wasn't terribly helpful, but everybody else came up with useful answers. But what was really interesting is there were some quite stark differences between the, the responses that young people gave and the responses that adults gave. And in a moment, we're going to take a look at those together. So here's my suggestion. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and try and come up with what the, with the answers do you think to this question of what do you most worry about? Have a quick, very quick conversation. Person next to you, what do you think people most worry about? Kids, let your parents know what you think too. Have you got some answers? Yeah? Should we, see, should we see if your answers match up to what comes up on the screen? Should we do that? Should we see if your answers match up to what comes up on the screen? I do feel a little bit like the host of Family Fortunes right now, I have to be honest with you. There will be no prize money. But let's start with the young people and let's see what the young people said they most worry about, okay? There are all kinds of answers that aren't on the screen, but uh, outside of the top five, pe young people said this, they were worried about illness and old age. Uh, somebody said they were worried about the day of judgment, which is quite heavy. Um, world war was another one, and tests and exams, but that actually didn't make the top five. Let me, um, let me show you the top five. So, so coming in at around number four was this, was the future. 
Sorry, number five. Coming in at number five was the future. So particularly, what will happen in my future? You know, uh, will I have enough money to live off when I'm an adult? Um, even uh, what, how will I go about paying for university? I think that was a 10-year-old who said that. Um, and even, how will I be a good dad? That was a, a, an issue, a question for somebody. Uh, but coming in next, number four was this. The whole area of school, and particularly moving schools. So some of you are going from middle school to upper school, some of you will be moving on from school up to university. That was an area of anxiety for a lot of young people. Um, number three was uh, finding a girlfriend or boyfriend, as the case may be. That came in as an issue. Um, some of you parents are like, you really shouldn't be worrying about that right now, but they, they are. But then the top two were, were the, stood out by quite a margin. And the top two of this is that it's coming in at number two was the whole area of friendships. It seems that young people in the church are anxious about the area of friendships, uh, pretty much to the exclusion of most other things. The issues around, um, will I be accepted by others? Will I find a group of friends in my new school? And will I keep the friends that I've currently got? And in a sense, uh, friendships are the currency of youth. You know, having friends or not having friends makes you either rich or poor, if you see what I mean. But then the number one came as a real surprise to me. The, perhaps the most common answer of all the responses I got was this. What makes you most anxious is the thought that mum and dad might die. And that was, that was quite sobering to me. So many young people said that perhaps if their mum and dad go out together, um, perhaps they go on a bike ride together on a car journey, it's the thought that what happens if they have an accident and die? What happens to me then? Obviously, children of single parents, that the anxieties even more acute. So those are some of the things that young people are anxious and worried about in this church. And as adults and parents, it's helpful for us to know. I mean, there's a prayer list for you right there, parents, okay? But let's move on. Let's find out what the adults were particularly anxious about. And there was a, a whole mix, but three sort of came to the surface in terms of what adults are anxious or worried about. Um, coming at number three was the whole area of finance. So, uh, you know, there's a plenty of months left at the end of the money. You know, that sort of issue, sort of paying the mortgage, job security, will I be made redundant? Those kinds of things came through very strongly. Uh, number two was this, conflict with others. Very often with family members, perhaps strains and tensions, uh, either with extended family or within a marriage. That come in, came in as a real area of anxiety that people are worried about. But the number one answer, by a massive majority, really surprised me. It was this. The number one thing that adults in this church seemed to be anxious or concerned about was this. Wasting my life. This idea that I will have got to the end of my life and I feel like I've blown it. I've missed it. I've missed the purposes of God for my life. So answers came back like this. Um, I'm worried that I will not live a life of significance. That I won't do anything of particular worth or merit. Uh, not achieving my dreams was another thing that people said. Um, this sense that where I'm at now may be all that God's got for us. There's no more adventure left. Not being significant. Not having done everything I needed to. Not being all I can in God. These are all the different responses. And another one was this. Passing on mediocre Christianity to my children. Kids, you need to know that very often one of the things your, your parents most worry about and most anxious about is are they, are they doing the best for you? And how will you be? And will you develop a faith in God of your own and stand on your own two feet in that way. Those are the kinds of things that parents are often concerned about, that their mission for their life is to invest all that they've got in you, and that's what God's got for them. 
So that's interesting, isn't it? A whole mix of different answers there, and I felt some surprises. So that's a, a little bit of the problem of worry that we've got around the tracks in this church. But then I asked a second question in this survey, and the second question was this. What impact does worry have on your life? So in other words, if those are the things you worry about, what effect does it have in your life? How does it influence your life? What impact does it have in various aspects of your life? Once again, why don't you just very briefly turn to the person next to you, what sort of impact do you think worry has in people's lives in this church? Turn to, turn to the person next to you and have a quick conversation about that. Okay, well let's, um, let's see how you got on, shall we? See whether or not your perception of the impact of worry is the same as what people actually had to say. But I'm gonna demonstrate this in a slightly different way. So I, I've asked for an assistant, and I have got my uh, wonderful son, Nathan, who's going to come and assist me. So Nathan, do you wanna come on up here? Come on, stand up here, buddy. Come on, stand here, and you face everybody, all right? So this is Nathan. He's a snappy dresser, as you can see. So stand just there, buddy, that'd be great. So, so what we're gonna do is, um, there were a whole host of different answers, and uh, we're gonna reflect on Nathan some of the different answers that people had and gave, and I've got my wonderful, lovely assistant, Emma, to help me with this. So, Emma, so Emma take, the cloth, take the cloth this way, that, that'd be great. Okay, so, um, what I'm gonna do is um, visually demonstrate the impact of worry that people had in their different lives, okay? Um, so the first thing that people said, the impact of worry in their lives was this, is that it robs them of joy, that it takes joy away in their lives. And if you like, um, that, that has an impact. You wanna find the, that's it, find the right bag, that's it, darling. So it robs them of joy. This, bear with us, this could take some time. <laughs> it's one of the suitcases, I think. Great, there you go. It's always the last one, isn't it? Okay, so that's the first one. So Nathan, I want you to hold that in one hand, if you would. So, so if you like, the, the being robbed of joy is what you, we carry around with us, that sense of heaviness that weighs us down, all right? So that was the first thing. Uh, the next thing was that people were very honest, and they said, when I get anxious, I start to eat too much, yeah? Now, that, I'm sure that's not you. It's probably just the person next to you, all right? But you want to hang that over your shoulder here like this. So this, this is another burden that people carry. Put that over your shoulder like that, all right? Okay? So they eat too much, okay? The next one is this. Feel free not to point at others, okay, on that one. That's not going to help us. The next thing that, that parents said was this. It stops me doing new things. So if I'm anxious about my life right now, it stops me attempting new things. And that will be another burden they carry. Starting to feel heavy yet, Nathan? It's a test of your strength, buddy, okay? Um, and then even, this one really was sobering for me, uh, some of the responses are this, when I get so anxious, I struggle to even breathe, like I get this shortness of breath, and that's a big burden to carry. Do you want to put that one over your other arm there? <laughs> so that's particularly what the adults said. Let me tell you what the children said. 
The children said this. You're doing well, bud. The children said this. The children said, I lose sleep when I get anxious. So the children in this church who struggle to sleep, maybe because of exam pressure or when they get anxious about different things. And then this one they said, I feel like crying, is what they said. I guess, you do, I guess as we look at this, my question to, to you would be is, what baggage are you carrying? These are just a few of the answers. Many of us would sign up to each and every one of these responses. And my suggestion to you is that you are carrying unnecessary burdens and baggage of anxiety that God never intended you to carry. And it weighs you down. How does it make you feel, Nathan? Heavy. Heavy. (laughs) Many of us struggle through life on a day-to-day basis because we are burdened down like this. I think we should let you put those down now, don't you? Let's give Nathan a round of applause. Can I get you to be really brave? Can you turn to the person next to you and tell them what's the baggage that you're particularly carrying at the moment? Maybe it's over finances, GCSEs, house move, marriage. Be as brave as you can and tell the person next to you what the baggage is you're carrying. Okay. Just stick a hand in the air if you realise there's some baggage you're carrying. I'm going to put both hands in the air. Pretty much everybody in the room, pretty much everybody in the room is carrying some baggage that God doesn't intend for you to carry. I've got a verse for you from Proverbs. I'm going to stick it up on the screen. It says this. Proverbs 12, 25, the anxious heart weighs us down. The anxious heart weighs us down. That is so true, isn't it? Many of us are weighed down considerably by the number of different things that we are carrying and anxious about. And yet, what does all of this achieve? Jesus says in Luke 12, 25, can all of your worries add even a single moment to your life? Can they, can they add even a single moment? for all the energy that you put into them. In fact, all the studies show that worry actually, if anything, robs us of life. If anything, it's going to shorten your lifespan. Think of all the time and energy you've spent over the course of your life worrying and being anxious about different things. It saps us of all that God's got for us. Corrie ten Boom, who's a famous lady who survived under the Nazi regime in the Second World War, said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. In other words, worry doesn't change anything. All it does is it empties today of all the strength that God has got for you. 
So if that's something of the problem, and I think everybody in the room now has got a sense of, well, here's some baggage that I'm carrying that God no longer wants me to carry. Well, the third and final question in this survey was this. How do you deal with worry? Because we realize it's a problem for each and every one of us. Well, then how are we going to try and solve this problem? In other words, how are you going to try and handle it together? And uh, I sort of put out, cast out the net and got a whole load of different responses back from different people. Uh, they said this, uh, this is how they deal with worry. Uh, some tell themselves everything's gonna be all right, like a little mantra they go through in their head, everything's gonna be okay, don't worry. Uh, one of the children said this, um, when I worry, I sort out my pillows on my bed and try to go to sleep. Another one said this, I make a list of everything that worries me, which can be a fairly good technique. But the number one way that both children and adults tried to deal with worry was simply this, trying not to think about it. That was the number one way, that was adults and young people together, try not to think about it. In other words, we cope by just trying to block it out, by just pretending that it's not there. Except that there's a problem with that means of handling worry. Let me try, again, try and uh, illustrate what I mean. The problem is with um, trying to block out worries that the problems don't actually go away. We might may try to distract ourselves, but the problems will still remain. So let me try and illustrate. At this point, I'm going to call upon uh, Mark and Iona Adams, who are going to come and help me. So can we welcome them up the front? They're going to come and, and help me. So, Mark, I'm going to get you to stand on the stage over here, and Iona, I'm going to get to stand just by, by this book here. Steve, can I grab a mic from you? Okay. Great. So, um, thank you so much for standing here. So, um, Mark, uh, you're, you're a teacher, aren't you? So, you're used to standing in front of large groups of people, aren't you? Yes, that's right. So, you feeling okay? At the moment, yeah, that's fine. Feeling reasonably relaxed? Yeah, as time goes by, I'm getting a bit more nervous. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, let's, so, you relax right now, and we'll see what happens. So, Iona... Let me just change the situation here for you. Uh, so this, this is your dad over here, isn't it? Yes? Yeah. And you love him? Yes. Okay. But also you like to have some fun with dad as well, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Let's see if we can have some fun with dad. All right. Uh, I'm going to change the scenario a bit of it. So Mark looks quite relaxed and feels quite relaxed right now. But now, now I'm just going to ever so slightly tweak the scenario. And Iona, I'd love to give this to you. Now, um, Iona, you could do whatever you want to um, with this super soaker. Um, where are you going to point it? Are you going to point it just generally out in the crowd? No. Yeah, okay, you are. Uh, you see, oh, you come back to Dad. Okay, you're going to point it to Dad. So I'd I just like to use this little scenario as an illustration. So um, Mark is stood here. He felt quite relaxed. But now a situation has occurred that is causing him a little bit of anxiety. Okay? And what most of us would do at this point if we're honest, this is the answer we gave. Instead of, instead of facing the issue and the problem, we would turn 180 and look the other way. My point is this, though. Mark is trying to block out Iona's presence and the very presence of the super soaker <laughs> simply by looking away. But by turning away, it doesn't actually change the situation. There's still a gun pointed at him. Many of us try and block out the things that trouble us, but it doesn't change a thing. We may, try to, um, we may try to block it out um, in a multitude of different ways. I, I love it when they ad-lib, it just creates that other, other dynamic. We may try to block it out, we may even try and run away from the problem as being illustrated. But it doesn't actually change a thing. My question to you would be, what do you use to try and block it out? To turn away from the things that are anxious? making you anxious? Is it, is it that you turn on a movie 
Is it that you go shopping for shoes? Is it that you open a tub of Haagen-Dazs ice cream? What is it for you? Many of us are trying to deal with anxiety by distracting ourselves. What do you do to distract yourself? Because the, the sad reality is, though, if you're just trying to t distract yourself, it only brings you temporary relief. It doesn't deal with the source of the problem. Because when, you, when the movie finishes, when you come back from the shopping trip, when you have finished the whole tub of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, the problem is still there. And if anything, you feel worse about yourself at the bottom of it. You see, I think what we need is not just temporary relief, but we need a permanence of reassurance in our lives. So how do we really solve this problem? Not just by trying to block it out and pretend it's not there. How do we really deal with it? Let me give you three very simple steps as we close. Number one is this, is we face up to it. To deal with anxiety and worry, we need to look head on at the problem. So I'm going to get Mark to look at the super soaker that is threatening him. Okay? And we need to face up to what is actually going on. Psalm 51, David says this, he says, Surely, God, you desire truth in the inmost parts. In other words, God wants you to be honest about the problems and difficulties that you face. Honest with him, but honest with yourself. Honest about your sins, honest about your anxieties, everything. God doesn't want you to pretend any longer or try and block things out. So that's the first thing. We face up to it. We turn back around and say, look, this is the problem that is, is troubling me. And I, can, I can't put it off any longer. I have to face up to it. The next step is this, though, is to find truth. Face up and find truth. What we have to do is we have to trace our worry back until we get to a truth that God promises that helps us in our situation. If you like, we dig down beneath all the shifting sands till we get to bedrock that we can actually build our lives upon. So you can trace it back and look at the worst case scenario. Many of us don't want to think about the worst that might happen, but look at the worst case scenario. So let's take Mark's situation, for instance, here. Um, um, he's, he's stood there, and on the face of it, he might be uh, a little bit worried about being shot by his daughter, all right, and therefore getting wet. However, that might not be the end of it. You know, it, getting wet might be fairly bad. But the other thing to point out is that Ma Ma Mark is surrounded by electrical cables down here. <laughs> you know, I don't want to trouble you at all, but the reality is, you know, if he treads it wrong and she, she soaked him, there is the possibility of getting electrocuted, okay? <laughs> Well, what's the worst part about getting electrocuted? Well, the worst part about getting electrocuted is you might actually die. Okay, so we're looking at the very worst scenario here. His wife is looking a little concerned at this point. I think it will be all right. We have insurance, don't worry. Uh, uh, it, that's the worst possible scenario. So what you do is you trace it back and you get to the worst possible scenario. And the worst possible scenario in this case is that Mark potentially might die. So his Difficulty is this, is that actually the bottom line, he's, he could have a fear of death. Now, it's, I admit it's slightly unlikely, but it's possible, all right? So, Mark, I'm going to give you this burden to carry, fear of death. What we, what we discover is when you trace back your worries, you find core fears that are at the root of them. So, find the core fear for your worry. So, it might be something like this. It, it might be... Uh, a core fear of being abandoned. So children who worry that parents are going to go out for the night and might die, it's that fear of abandonment that God really wants to speak into. Or frightened of death. Or frightened of not having enough. 
And what you discover is that each, for each and every one of our core fears, God himself gives us a promise that matches our very worst fear. Because otherwise, what we do is we spend our lives in wishful thinking rather than in hope. We wish that those things don't happen rather than putting our hope in God. And once you realize that, then you realize that God has got a truth that relates to my circumstance. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer Mark this. This is a get-out-of-death-free card. It's a lot like a credit card, except the bill has already been paid. Jesus has settled the account. And I'm going to pass it to him, and it's got two verses written on it. One is Romans 8, 31, and the other is 2 Corinthians 5, that chapter. And what these verses say, Romans 8 says this, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life. So what's the promise you get to if you're frightened of dying and that whole thing? Well, it's the promise that nothing will separate you. Ultimately, our fear of death tends to be this fear of abandonment. But did you know, even in the moment of death, God is with you. And 2 Corinthians 5 says this, it's one day our bodies will wear out and we will die. It'll be like a tent that just disintegrates. But we will one morning unzip this raggedy old tent and discover that we're in a mansion. That God has an eternal dwelling for us instead of a temporary tent. Which brings us to the third step. We've faced up to what's going on. He's found some truth from scripture that can be bedrock to his life. Brings us to the third step, which is this. Throw away worry. Once you realize that God promises it will all be okay, you're then left with a choice. You see, Mark can live with this worry, this massive ball of fear of death. He can carry it around and it will obscure his view and it will be awkward and inconvenient. It will slow him down and stop him doing all the things that God can call him to do. Or he can throw it away. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says this, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. The the Greek word there, forgive, actually doesn't just mean give as in handover. It means throw away. It means discard every worry you've got and throw it to God. So Mark is now left with a choice. He can spend his life carrying around the fear of death, or he can choose to live by the promises that he carries. And what God encourages us to do is throw away every one of our worries. So this moment, I'm going to invite Mark to throw away the worry. Now, I need someone at this moment to play the role of God. Um, I looked around for candidates, and Steve seemed to be, be the best option here. So Steve's going to be, for the moment, work with us. Steve, for the moment, is going to play the role of God. So Mark, what I want you to do is I want you to hurl fear of death to God and give it to him so you no longer have it. So if you've got a sports teacher and an athlete, we should be all right with this. All right, okay. One, two, three, go. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much. That is what the Bible is talking about when you get cares and worries. It's saying, hurl them at God and say, these don't belong with me. I don't want these anymore. Instead, I'm going to live on the bedrock of these promises. So the next time you find yourself feeling anxious or worried, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Face up to it, what's going on. Find truth and then throw away your anxieties and worries. Why don't we stand and pray together? Let's applaud these guys for helping us out. They've been brilliant. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray together. These are kind of silly little illustrations, but there are deep spiritual truths behind them. My prayer is that God will begin to connect with your hearts now. I wonder perhaps if John and the band can make their way back.
Perhaps you want to just close your eyes and focus in on the Lord together with me. What I'd like you to do is in your heart, I'd love you just to name the worries that you carry. As I was preparing, I felt for many of us here who are parents, um, God's saying to you this this morning, "I, I no longer want you to worry about your children. I'm calling you to pray for them instead. Sometimes we think that if we worry about our children, it, it shows that we care. Actually, it achieves nothing. It's negative. And God this morning is calling you to no longer worry about your children and what will happen to them, but instead to trust him for their future and to pray for them. For others of us here this morning, you're carrying burdens over exams and changes in school, and God wants to come and unburden you from them. So just as we stand before the Lord now, I'd just love you in the quietness of your heart to name before God what are the things that you're carrying. You remember the picture of Nathan stood on the stage there? Some of us here this morning are heavily laden down. And God never intended you to live that way. Do you know Christians are meant to be the happiest people on earth? The most joy-filled, lightest people around. Just attractive by the ease with which we live. Not that life circumstances are always easy, but that we have a God who is equal to all of our toughest circumstances. So just right before the Lord now, name to him the things that you're anxious about. Maybe it's the fear that you're going to miss it. God's got a plan A for your life and you're going to miss it and live your life with regret. Well, God says that he'll take you by the hand and lead you. He promises in Hebrews that he trains those that he loves. Maybe it's the fear of being isolated or abandoned, never finding a marriage partner or the marriage that you've got breaking down and you'll be left on your own. Well, into that situation, God says, I promise that I will never leave you, fail you or forsake you. I will be with you now until the end of the age. So just as you name those promises, then let the reassurance and peace of God come to you. Let the promises of God be the bedrock for your life. It's time to do away with wishful thinking and wishing it was different and trying to ignore it or block it out and instead let God be sufficient for all of your circumstances all of your worries and all of your troubles it's just a tenderness of the Lord resting on a number of us now thank you Father thank you Father I'm also aware this morning that a number of us are carrying unusual pressures it says in Galatians that we're, each one of us is to carry our own load, our own responsibilities, but that we're to help carry one another's burdens. And uh, that's, that refers to the Greek word there, refers to big loads that you couldn't possibly carry on your own. And some of us are facing domestic challenges that are massive burdens in our lives, or illness, or family members' retention, or facing redundancy, or lack of provision in some way or other. And... I want us to be a church family to one another here this morning. So what I'd love us to do is if you're, um, if you're carrying unusual burdens at the moment and you know that God had you here this morning just for this talk, if you feel like Nathan when he was stood on the stage barely able to stand with all that he's got, I'd like others to draw alongside and pray for you and help carry your burden this morning. So if that's you, do you want to just raise a hand in the air? We're not going to embarrass you or expose you. You don't even have to tell them what it is if you don't want to. But just raise a hand high in the air and say, look, I've got some burdens here. I've got some burdens here. I could just do with some brothers and sisters standing alongside and praying for me. Do you want to look around? There are a number of people raising their hands. Raise your hand high. We don't want to miss anybody, miss anybody out. We want to stand with you this morning. We want God to come and meet you in your circumstances, to bring you peace. That's it. We've got people over here in the middle. 
little section. People over here. Folks, if you're used to praying at the King's Arms, can you just look around? Let's pray for one another. Bless one another. Got a lady down here at the front. Let's have groups of people gathering around one another. Move out of your seats. Let's move to one another. Stand with them. Bless them. Pray for them. Keep your hand up until we've got some people there to pray. Got somebody over at the back on the sides. Be great to have some people stand with them. Let's not leave these people hanging. Let's get round them. Good stuff. Great. Why don't I just close in prayer and then I can let you minister to these people as we pray. So Father, thank you so much that you care about our different circumstances and burdens and worries. And Father, I pray that we might be a church where we cast every care and concern and worry onto you in the name of Jesus. That we might live lives of freedom and liberty, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every student here who's taking GCSEs or A-levels. I pray for grace on them. Every child that's about to take SATs, I pray. Grace on them, I pray, in their circumstances. Come, be their God in their toughest of times, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to leave us to minister to one another, pray for one another.